Catching people like yourself I have some news for you We're here to defend wealth I have some news to you We're here to defend wealth Tra-la-la-la A public service announcement with guitar. Hey ho, let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LP FM in New Orleans. My name is Mark Allendary, and we are going to be getting started here in just one quick second. I am trying to do too many things uh, at once and uh, quite frankly lost track of what I was doing. Uh, so let me get back with you guys in just one quick second while I get set up here uh, on air. Thank you very much to Lynn and Shrapa for doing such a great job uh, as usual with Nolan Americana and I will be right with you in one quick second. I love you so I love you baby like a mine of love gold Actually I need my computer so I'm gonna do this instead and uh, we'll be right back Hang on. When karma's gonna hit you It's gonna take you down Let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LP, and you are listening to Health is a Human Right radio show. And uh, it is an honor uh, and a privilege, again, to have on a comedian uh, whose career I've been following for several years and who will be coming into uh, New Orleans on Wednesday, March 13th at the Hi-Ho Lounge, and that's Ron Placone. Ron, do I have you on air with me? 
I am on air with you and happy to be back, man. Thank Good to hear from you. Yep. Ron Placone is a comedian who can be seen regularly on The Jimmy Dore Show and The Young Turks. He hosts the world's first viewer-curated streaming news show, Get Your News On with Ron, and he's been on Sirius XM and has been seen on TMZ, RT, and Free Speech TV. Uh, Ron, thank you. We had you on two weeks ago. Um, I think we have one more uh, uh, appearance scheduled with you. I know that Graham Elwood, uh, who is also a uh, Headlining with you will be appearing on WHIV sometime very soon. We're really excited about this show that is on Wednesday, March 13th at the Hi Ho Lounge. Ron, can you tell us a little bit about what people should expect when they come and see uh, your comedy show? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's called the Progressive Comedy Tour, and it's a uh, it's a show with myself and Graham Elwood. It's a stand up tour, and we each uh, you know do about 40 to 45 minutes of stand up. And what's been really cool is that we've had. Different groups come out, like uh, the DSA has shown up at our shows, uh, Movement for a People's Party has shown up at our shows, uh, Veterans for Peace, um, some environmental groups have shown up, and people table and they exchange ideas. Some, some people running for office have shown up. Um, you know, uh, Michael Weiss over in Nevada has showed up, Amy Vallea showed up at a show, Stephen Jaffe. Uh, so, you know, we get a lot of different progressives working on different things, coming at this from a different angle. Uh, showing up to these shows and, and people meet and they talk. And so, so there's a nice, um, you know, there's kind of a communal component to it afterwards, which is really, really, really cool. Cause a lot of people, you know, especially if we go into cities that, you know, might not be known for um, being a hotbed of progressivism, it's really cool for people to meet like-minded people in their city that they might not have known before. Sure. You know, like when we, when we go into Louisville, Kentucky and it's just a room full of like-minded people and they all get to meet each other. And, you know, and, and we do that in Nashville, North Carolina and Nashville, Tennessee and Atlanta. And, and, you know, so, so it's been a really, really fun tour. And I, I think people can expect a fun night of stand up and uh and uh, just kind of a really cool hang after too right and you know and one of the things and i know we talked about this the last time we were on air together but is that you know w when we talk about progressive issues it it's not that the rest of the country is not for or against progressive issues. I, I find me somebody mm -hmm. who doesn't want their health care taken care of, right? right? Or doesn't want a, a living wage or doesn't want yeah. to make sure that social security is available for them uh, after they retire. Don't want, doesn't want free college for their children. Find me those yeah. people, right? Like yeah, that. Nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, <laughs> man, I really, I really don't want to be able to afford to send my kids to college. Right. The idea of being able to do that bums me out. Right. And so what, what we find is that, and obviously this is something that I know that you talk about on your show and you, and you do with the various other uh, outlets that, uh, um, that you're involved with, is that we get separated on the social issues, right? And, and, sure. uh, and when we find we bring different walks of people uh, in uh, uh, here in New Orleans, what you're going to find is a strong progressive community because uh, of the city that we live in. But again, going to some of the other places that you've mentioned, I, I am sure once you start... Uh, uh, you start talking and you realize, hey, well, yeah, you know, I, you know, it's, it reminds me of that Fox News caster who one day went to go to an AOC. Uh, do you remember she went to the AOC uh, media hit, or it was a, uh, it was whatever she was, she was promoting or stumping for somebody after she already won, and then she was like, I was kind of scared, you know, she was talking about things like I want free health care for my children, and, and I want, uh, you know, and did, do you remember that uh, it was a Fox News? I can't remember her name, but it was very funny because she was openly admitting you know some of these things that the progressives are talking about i kind of want as well and uh, uh -huh. 
Uh-huh. It was, it was, it was, it, you know, the, the shocker was no surprise, you know? So, well, that, that's the thing. I mean, Fox News, they come out with these memes of like all the things that people like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez uh, are for. And it's like, oh, this is actually great advertising for them. They can just yes, use yes. this <laughs> for their next given. They want free college and Medicare for all and a right. Green New Deal. <laughs> they want humans to be able to live on this planet for as long as possible. The yeah. atrocity. Yeah. So Spe- uh, speaking of the Green New Deal, and I know I, I did you see um, uh, did you see those kids talk to a uh, Senator Feinstein, who's your your senator? Because you, oh, you, you live in California, yes. don't you? It, what, yes, what were your thoughts on that? You know what? I felt bad for those kids, and I, I tweeted out. I just said, look, you know, kids, if, if you see this, which I doubt you will. I'm, I'm sure none of those uh, kids follow me on Twitter. But I said, look, if any of you see this, don't take it personally that Diane Feinstein was mean to you. It just means that she didn't think you would be goodness to. That's all it meant. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, I and I say that, and I don't mean to sound like an a hole, but you are a comedian, so that's what you do. But that was very funny. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, she said, "Hey, kids, climate change will get you and your little dogs too," and then she took off on her broom that runs on diesel. You know, that's <laughs> yes. that's what happened. Uh, it was un. I, I, how did they? You know, and I this morning I was reading some articles where they were trying to spin it, you know, and I, it was so hard to even. Oh, read they through. started. They yeah. started trying to spin it right away. Right, and, and they're like, "Well, at least she didn't lie to them." Right. And it's like, "Well, she couldn't have just said to children, hey, we're going to do everything we can about climate change,' or would that be a lie?' Right. And right. if that is a lie, well, then why, you know, why are we listening to what she has to say? Then it, it, does she not plan on doing anything about it? Is yeah. that what she's saying? Yeah, it's so. unbelievable. And then to hear one of the teachers be like, well, you're looking at the faces who are going to be affected by this and just the disdain, you know, like, and, and again, it's the same thing that we see over and over again is what happens when power is challenged, right? And especially yeah. in this case, when you have power challenged by young, smart uh, uh, minded individuals when the one girl said, you know, this is our government is by the people for the people, uh, you know, by the people. And I was like, I'm like that. Yes, that was, that was a perfectly placed quote. And I couldn't even say it right. And you said it better than I did. And, and kudos <laughs> to you. Yeah, she nailed it. I, I remember yeah. that part of the video too. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. And, and then, I mean, she was literally a parody of a politician. Yes, yes, because, that is exactly right. You know, when when she said, "Well, you're not 18, so you <laughs> didn't vote for me." Yes, I mean, that I was, was in stunning. That was in an Eddie. That was in an Eddie Cochran song. You right. know, like like the summertime blues. I right. went to my congressman. Oh yes, said, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to help you, son, but you're too young to vote. She just said that to. Hey, we want a Green New Deal. We want to be able to stay on this planet. Well, I'd like to help you, kids, but you're too young to vote. Yeah, yeah, you know? un, un, unbelievable. Uh, it was it was really something else. And you're right, and you're too young to vote. Yeah, I also wanted to say you do realize that video cameras are on you. Like people can hear what you're saying, right? Like we will always remember this, you know. And and it was it was stunning. But she has another six years, and so. Wow. Anyway, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, she knew she knew there'd be no consequence. So yes. you know, she doesn't care. So. Um, I, I know you, you you have a tight schedule. Uh, we did talk about a quick, uh, uh, if you wanted to quickly talk about maybe some of the work that you've been doing with broad, municipal broadband and maybe take us through maybe a minute or two before you have to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'll, stay, uh, I'll stay as long as I can and as long as you want to have me. Um, you know, I am in studio right now, but I'll, I'll stick around as long as I, uh, you know, as long as I'm able. Super. But, um, but municipal broadband, first of all, to, to kind of give like, because it, it's a, uh, 
I know when you just hear that title, municipal broadband, I mean, you know, the panties just drop. It is such a sexy right. phrase, right? right? I mean, it is the sexiest phrase in the world. But <laughs> but what it is, it's actually an incredibly cool thing. What municipal broadband is, for anyone not in the know, municipal broadband takes the Internet out of the hands of the Comcast and the AT&Ts and all these for-profit price-gouging corporations and into the hands of the cities and the municipalities. Um, so what it does is it solves the problem of net neutrality. Net neutrality, of course, makes the Internet a free and opening plat field, uh, platform and a level playing field. We've lost net neutrality with the Trump FCC and Ajit Pai. So right. net neutrality is technically gone. We haven't seen the effects of it yet because they're battling it out in court right now. But if we lose net neutrality, we're going to lose the free and open Internet as we know it. And our Internet is going to look like cable television 2.0. That's right. just what is going to happen uh, so it's a very, uh, very dangerous thing uh, as far as exchanging information, as far as our ability to communicate. I mean, just here in California, Verizon throttled some data of firefighters who were fighting the wildfire. So they weren't able to communicate with each other as a result of the loss of net neutrality. They weren't able to communicate with each other the way they needed to to fight a fire. Wow. So this is why the Internet needs to be a common carrier. Wow. Uh, the way the FCC designated it just a couple years prior. But, you know, we can't rely on policymakers to always do the right thing for us, nor can we rely on having this battle every three years. Right. The permanent fix for this is to take our Internet infrastructure out of the hands of these predatory companies and put it into the hands of the people. And that's what municipal Internet does. It basically creates city-owned Internet and Internet cooperatives by citizens. Um, yes. Other cities that have done this have seen a lot of success. Chattanooga, Tennessee did it yes, years they did. ago. Yes, they did. And they, they have the best Internet in the country by yep. far yep. at a reasonable price. Yep. They're known as Gig City USA now. It are they really? Business. Gig City USA? They wow. They are. Um, Sandy, Oregon has done something similar. There's a couple uh, towns in Colorado that are doing it. Longmont, Colorado, Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, Tacoma, Washington has a program. Oberlin, Ohio. Uh, so, you know, people make it out like only, you know, very wealthy cities can do this. That's not true. Pretty much any city uh, can pull it off based on their needs. You just have to assess your situation and figure out which infrastructure works best for your community. And there's an organization committed to doing this called the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Now, right. one of the really cool things is I started trying to fight for this in my community. I showed up to a city hall. Um, you know, we announced it on the Jimmy Dore show. A bunch of people showed up. Um, I showed up to it and I, I spoke on behalf of municipal broadband and other people did too. So they put municipal broadband on a city agenda here in Pasadena. They, you know, scheduled the hearing for like a Tuesday afternoon. So most right. people weren't able to be there. Of course. <laughs> but of course. I was there. Yes. And they basically told us, hey, we can't afford this. Right. Uh, how did they decide we couldn't afford it? They did one case study using Beverly Hills as a, for instance, you know, right. for anybody not aware, Beverly Hills, as I'm sure everybody knows, but Beverly Hills, very wealthy community in in the Los Angeles area, and, and you know, one, they, and they one, got a couple bucks, right? And one that should be could easily be compared with Pasadena, right? Uh, well, the, that was a joke, obviously. Yeah, right, 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 right. Exactly. So, um, you know, not that Pasadena's, you know, Pasadena's a pretty nice place, but sure. Um, so they did that one case study, and they what Beverly Hills is doing is a thing called fiber to the home. 
which is by far the most expensive way to do a municipal broadband project, but Beverly Hills can afford it, so that's what they're going to do. So they just took the mileage of Beverly Hills, applied it to Pasadena, and said, we can't possibly afford this. That's it. They didn't even mention net neutrality. They didn't mention all the other ways. So I just got up there and responded, and I said, look, I appreciate you guys bringing this up. I do appreciate you putting it on an agenda. But uh, I find it hard to believe that Chattanooga, Tennessee, was able to pull something off that Pasadena can't, that Sandy, Oregon, was able to pull something off that Pasadena can't, that Monticello, Minnesota, can pull something off that Pasadena can't. You get the idea. Um, right. So right now I'm kind of at the drawing board. I tried to connect the Institute of Local Self-Reliance to Pasadena directly, um, you know, but was also not successful in doing that. Our telecommunications director did not agree to it. Um, so now what other people can do and what I'm trying to do now is there's an organization called nextcenturycities.org. What they're committed to, they work in conjunction with the Institute of Local Self-Reliance. They're committing, uh, committed to finding municipal broadband solutions and they will help communities, uh, basically figure out a way to do it. And it's a free service to join. It does not cost the city anything to join. So you have nothing to lose, everything to gain. All you need is a city official to uh, to sign on board. So you need either someone in city council or a mayor, uh, you know, or someone like that to talk off uh, to to sign on board. I know you were mentioning that the mayor in uh, New Orleans has been receptive to this, which is awesome to hear. That's really cool to hear. Um, so you should bring it up to him and get him to sign on board. Now, New Orleans might already be a member um, because right. a lot of cities are members already. New Orleans might already be a member of this organization which means you guys are further along than I am in Pasadena, California. But right. if you're not, to, you know, totally get your mayor on board. And it's a really, really cool thing to do. And, you know, bringing it back to our tour, what's been really cool, you know, because I've been documenting my journey, if you, or whatever you want to call it, uh, on Get Your News On With Ron. So there's a part of the channel dedicated to municipal broadband and net neutrality, where I tell these stories, you can find the footage of me at my, my town halls. You can hear me talking about it after. Um, it's all been documented. And that playlist has been used as a resource for other people trying to do similar things in their communities. And on the Progressive Comedy Tour, I have so far have met at least two or three people in every single stop that said, I put together a task force to bring municipal broadband to my city. Um, so it's so cool to see other people are taking up this issue because it's a big one, you know, a revolution has got to come. And if we don't have a good communication platform, everything else is for nil because we need that. It's essential. So we need the internet. Yeah. Um, No question about that. In fact, I would say that a functioning and thriving democracy is one in which the internet is functioning and thriving as well. Absolutely, man. So, you know, this has kind of been my the issue that i kind of took up because you know i i kind of feel like i I really think that we gotta work outside of the box i don't think that just showing up to the ballot box is gonna get us out of this mess it's gonna take you know local alliances kind of what gail mclaughlin did in richmond california it's gonna take uh coalitions you're some people that are working on different tasks other people that are running for office at the local level uh it's gonna take all that stuff so, you know, I'm not going to run for office ever in the history of ever. So I decided to take up a task. And my task was, uh, you know, city internet and municipal broadband. Um, so and, you know, I've been able to use, you know, a lot of the shows that, that I collaborate with. I've been able to use those platforms to kind of get the word out 
to other people as well. And, um, you know, so that's been really cool. And, and I, I look forward to hearing from more folks in the New Orleans area that are already working on that stuff, too. Um, you know, and hearing what their, um, you know, what it's been like for them. The fact that you guys have your mayor's ear is really, really cool because that's something I do not have um, in Pasadena. Our, our mayor has not been uh, very receptive towards it, and I'm, and I'm working to change that. Right. And so, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much there to, to talk about. I know that I have you on one more time and then we're going to actually have you uh, on stage here on Wednesday, March 13th at the Hi-Ho Lounge. Ron, I would, uh, I, again, there's still so much to talk about. I, I you know, uh, one of the topics, I guess, when we have you come back in two weeks is talk about how to prevent, because a state like Louisiana will pre- preempt the likelihood of uh, of any municipality being able to create their own broadband because our state legislator, like a lot of state legislators, especially in the South, are unfortunately influenced by uh, big uh, uh, communications uh, and uh, Cox and and what the what have you and the Certainly. The, the influence well, of money. So I can I can speak on that briefly. So what's been happening? Because uh, there have been other communities, especially. Um, Fort Collins, Colorado, and Longmont, Colorado in particular, that face some industry red tape as well. Because another thing that happens, a lot of these companies like Comcast and and places like that, Cox, like you mentioned, Spectrum, they actually preemptively plan for this stuff and have exclusive contracts with municipalities saying that they can't do something like that. Um, What municipalities have done, and there's been a number of ways, one way they've gone about this is they say that, hey, we signed this when net neutrality was a law, when our internet was protected by net neutrality. Now that net neutrality is not guaranteed, our agreement is null and void, and we can build our own thing. And unless you're willing to compete with it, tough luck. You're probably going to get run out of town. And um, has that so- has that stood, like, has that gone to court? Like, has that been uh, a legal precedent has been established around that? Uh, I know that Longmont, Colorado, and Fort Collins have both seen victories because their their projects are underway now. Um, so yeah, and and that's not the they come at it from other angles too because like they put it on the ballot. They make an they make a local initiative. Um, so in many cases, you know, your kind of municipal uh, local initiative would kind of overrun um, some kind of state legislation. So wow. You know, and, and of course, it's more complicated than the, you know, just nuts and bolts summary I just gave, nor am I a lawyer. Sure. But essentially, that's, you know, those are kind of the ways people are navigating and dodging that red tape. They're saying, look, you were, we were guaranteed net neutrality. Now that we don't have it, any agreement we may or may not have with any Internet service provider is null and void. And we can do whatever we want. And they're also saying, like, look, this is a local issue. We're putting it on as a local ballot initiative. Um, and there's really, you know, if a, if a town decides they want to do it, you know, there was a town called Char, I think it was, a uh, Charlemont or something like that. Uh, it's a little town in Massachusetts, 7,000 people. They, uh, not only voted to build their own municipal, municipal broadband, they voted to not have Comcast come there. Comcast. <laughs> I mean, how beautiful is that? I, I, I that's great. C- because they, you know, keep in mind, the ISPs basically have an organized duopoly, more or less. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, because all these cable companies cooperate. That's why I'm really trying to get big cable as a trending uh, Twitter uh, trend, you know, big cable. But um, so what they'll do is if they don't think they can make enough money in a certain area, they just don't invest there. 
So in this particular town in Massachusetts, um, they were like, oh, we, we think we want to invest here. The town was thinking we want to build a municipal broadband project and have our own city-owned internet. They took a vote and residents decided we're, we're going to build our own internet. Comcast, no thank you. And best part is wow. the media covered this. And a lot of the media kind of told the industry uh, favor side of it because in reality, it was going to cost the city a lot more to build, uh, you know, in the short term, it was going to cost the city more to build the internet infrastructure themselves than to just have Comcast come into town. But the residents weren't dumb and they kind of looked at it as a big picture thing and they said, yes, in the short term, when the dust gets settled immediately, it is technically going to cost us more. But in the long term, five years down the road, even two years down the road, when you think about what we would be charged by Comcast versus the quality of service we would get versus the uh, investment that city internet would be in regards to bringing businesses into town, it's actually going to be a hell of a lot cheaper for residents to build our own internet. Uh, because it would be, because they would pay a lower monthly, they would maintain it themselves, um, and they would have a higher quality product, and they knew that. So they told Comcast, no, thank you. We're actually going to save money by not having you come to town, and we're going to get better internet. So not only are we going to save money in the long run, but we're also going to gain things monetarily. And that's another thing. You know, we always look at this issue from a moral perspective and an ethical perspective and a kind of democratic perspective, which is important. But, you know, sometimes when you want to speak the language of, uh, you know, of uh, kind of like maybe the more conservative leaning folks in a city, you can also appeal to the economic advantages too. be like, hey, this is an investment in the city. This is an investment for small businesses. This is an incentive for more businesses to come here. And every city that's done this, they've seen a big spike in economic development and growth because they have really, really good Internet. Yeah, and like you said, and and uh, interestingly enough, Knoxville is known as Gig City, which I love. Uh, Chattanooga. Chattanooga. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chattanooga is known as Gig City, uh, which has a, that that double entendre there, which I love as well. Right. I mean, well, it's so it's so interesting. I mean, Chattanooga, which I and I used to live in Nashville, so I know I know Tennessee relatively well. And Chattanooga, I, I will, I can say, is one of the more underrated cities in the country I've ever been to. It is such a cool place. Uh, but nobody ever really mentions it, you know, like, like it's, it's not, I mean, it's got its following, but, but nobody, nobody ever mentions it as like just a really cool best kept secret, but it totally is. Chattanooga is an amazing place. Yeah. It, um, in Louisiana, and, we, we have something like that in Louisiana, uh, New Orleans and Baton Rouge always gets talked about, but Lafayette right. is really a great place to go uh, and hang out and has some great culture. So, but we do have to wrap up, Ron. I, I'll let you finish your thought. We got it. We, uh, I have my next guest that's here. So were you going to finish? All right. Great. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for having me, man. I'm glad I could stick around for a little bit. And, uh, I'm glad to hear that about Lafayette because we're actually heading there as well on the tour. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, and I've, yeah. ne I've never been but, yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll definitely be at the high ho lounge uh we'll be at the high ho lounge march 13th uh again that is an 8 p.m show uh over at the high ho lounge and you can get tickets at romplacone.com 
Thank you so much, Ron. We're going to have you on in two weeks. And uh, let's talk off air because I want to try to help organize some of these progressive groups come to the show and, and table uh, with you as well. So let's let's connect off air and, and, and we'll have that conversation. In the meanwhile, thank you so much for appearing. And, uh, and I'm a, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm a great fan of your work. And, and certainly I'm a great uh, a great fan of all the things that you're you're doing out there to really get some of those progressive causes uh, out there. And, and I'm going to try to help you with that hashtag as well so you said it was big cable right right? big cable hashtag big cable we'll we'll do that ron placone is a comedian who can be seen regularly regularly on the jimmy Dore show and the young turks he hosts the world's first viewer curated streaming news show which is called get your news on with ron he'll be at the hi-ho lounge on wednesday march 13th uh, along with graham elwood and graham is also a national touring headliner we're going to have graham on uh, a time or two before the show as well ron thank you so very much we'll see you in a couple weeks all right thanks for having me all right bye-bye all right. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Ron uh, Placone, uh, again, appearing on WHIV. And as we make our transition, it's uh, I'm very uh, happy to uh, have on uh, on air uh, a good friend. Uh, and we're going to get him set up right now. Hang on a second. Uh, there was no e. There's no e next to that song. Hang on. Let's do this. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, if, if you haven't guessed, the footsteps. My, yeah. If you haven't guessed, the footsteps uh, of upstairs. Yeah. Am it, I on? Does this mic on? Yeah. This mic is on. It's funny that we should do that because I just got. We you all know about the footsteps from upstairs. You can't hear in the background, but in the background, I got well, witch. In, I got witch in the club. I got witch in the something you shouldn't have. <laughs> I have witch in the club playing in the background. Mom's coming. <laughs> So it really is a pleasure to have on uh, somebody who I consider to be a really close friend, somebody who I, I love like a brother, I admire, um, and uh, somebody who uh, is without question one of New Orleans' most beloved musicians. It's really a pleasure to have Mr. Quintron uh, on air. Uh, Quintron is half of the Quintron and Miss Pussycat uh, duo. Slightly um, less than half. Would you say the, the, the less, I weigh less more than Miss Pussycat? Yes. But really, she, she, uh, in she, the artistic gravel bags, <laughs> I'm slightly um, less than half. It's a, it's a pleasure. I know that we've been trying to get you on air uh, for some time, and it's great to, to have you uh, on. I know that we are, uh, it's, uh, I know uh, you are have a show that's coming up. You have your annual show that you are going to be doing at uh, One the Night one that, the one that shall not be mentioned, but then uh, yes, there's the yes, one that yes, shall talk, be mentioned, that's the one I'm which talking is the about, one that we'll mention yeah, yes. at One Night Jacks with Katie Red and Scott Yoder. That uh, is, and that's on Lundy Gras Night. Lundy Gras and Night. how long have you been doing that show for? For those of you that don't know what Lundy Gras Night is. Well, you shouldn't be living in New Orleans. Well, then move. Move <laughs> yeah. away. Get on a bus. Right. It's uh, March 4th, right? Uh, <laughs> is it's Mar- right? It is it's March, March 4th. 4th. It's March 4th. It is. Monday, it's March Monday, 4th. Yeah. Monday night. 
Um, it is always a lot of fun. I have been to many Lindy Gras nights uh, shows at One Eye Jacks with Quintron and Miss Pussycat. Uh, again, the, uh, Monday, March fourth, with uh, Katie Raid and uh, Katie Red and Scott Yoder and, and DJ Katie Michael Red, uh, Bateman. We should mention is returning to, to New Orleans. Town. Or, yeah, yeah, she got married. Did you meet her? Did I? Were you, did you first meet her at a ham show, or is that? I met Katie Red um, because I was obsessed with Katie's music. Um, For some reason, and, yeah. And contacted her through her first record label, Take Faux Records. Right. You and were obsessed about Bounce, or was no, it just? No, I was obsessed with Katie Red. Katie Red music in particular, but uh-huh. also DJ Jubilee. This is we're talking like mid early '90s, right? Bounce Records, which was very, um, they were difficult. You could find them at Peaches Records, and you could hear them coming out of cars and stuff, but it wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. Right, there wasn't a name for, for twerking had not been... Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, I'm not in that not. scene. So Sir. That's, I'm not a, a... I don't claim to be any kind of informed bounce professor or anything, but I love Katie Red, And uh, I got Katie's phone number from Earl, who ran Take Faux Records, who also ran a roofing company in... Um, I think it was Central City, or maybe it was around here, actually, around Broad. And... Um, and I met Katie on the corner of Jackson and St. Charles because Katie <laughs> wanted a deposit to play at the club that shall not be named. Right. Um, so, and that was where the, uh, that's where the ATM was or? That's just where she wanted me to oh, meet <laughs> okay. to um, put down a deposit because, you know, I could be a crazy. Of course. Uh, of course. Shyster. Can sure, you say that? Sure. You can say shyster. Yeah. Fashioned we, slur. Yeah. 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 Or a dirty word. Um, but anyways, yeah. Um, and uh, Katie said, the first thing she said, she was like, you want boy Katie or you want girl Katie? And I was like, the world wants girl Katie. And um, um, that is and the rest is history with a whole lot of gaps. In yeah. It. So, so Katie uh, ended up leaving New Orleans. Katie and got then married is- and moved to North Carolina. But is they're both coming back. That's great news. I think now they're like in the process of right. moving back. That's great. And great, great, great. So, so we have you on because we're obviously talking about some of the stuff that you've been doing. And again, I, I know that we got started here a little bit later than I wanted. We'll definitely have you back on. There's there's a couple things that we're talking about. Of course, the show uh, with Quintron and Miss Pussycat at One Eye Jacks on Monday, March 4th with Katie Red and Scott Yoder and DJ Michael Bateman. That's happening on Lindy Gras night. Uh, Quintron, I know you have a book uh, that we can talk about. I know we haven't had a chance to ever really come on air and talk about The Weather Warlock. So... Mm-hmm. There's and then new music coming or uh, any Ninth Ward marching band update stuff marching or where marching band is ta- is on a hiatus um, for I don't know how long but okay. um, it, we're not marching this year but we usually in the past have marched with Muses and Proteus and sometimes in our own neighborhood parades right and that's and that's pretty incredible let me just take a moment just to say proteus is the monday night parade and what do you play in the ninth word marching band uh i play the symbols (laughs) yes full disclosures i play symbols and i it's uh uh and 200 person yes and also it's not weird that somebody would play in the marching right i'm very i'm very proud to also be uh showing um showing quintron my we're wearing our colors you can't see it in radio (laughs) you can't see it right we each have our uh our ninth word marching band uh, medallions 
But uh, the um, you guys play Proteus. I I'm always stunned, and I and props to you uh, for being able to do a full marching band uh, route and and walk the whole route, and then go and play uh, at night uh, at One Eye Jacks. Yeah, that's a Mardi that's, Gras that's is, a commitment to. It's uh, an endurance contest, <laughs> it and it's really like is. at a certain point, if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna be a New Orleanian, you have to decide whether you are going to the Mardi Gras or whether you work at the <laughs> right, Mardi Gras. Right, right. And one is more fulfilling yes. than the other. Yes. And I'm going to leave it up to you to figure out which one that is. Sure. But, um, you know, the, and the I la- want to get all Catholic here, but, right. the, but work work brings uh, great joy. Yes, yes. I And yeah. you know, that's a very good point because I always enjoy marching or playing or doing stuff uh, in and around Mardi Gras a little bit better than actually it's like it's better to give than to receive it's one it, of those things it you is know? it really is and it is um in a way and I haven't thought about this until really just now but it is such a catholic yeah, holiday it really is. <laughs> but um the more that you're giving the more that you're participating the yeah. more that you are making it spiritual yeah. for um for others, the 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 more rewarding it that holiday is. Yeah, and you. I think that's probably why people love to be in, you know, to be involved in. Why people love doing the marching band. I mean, that's why you have two hundred dedicated mm-hmm. uh, uh, people who get into your uh, uh, small rehearsal space, and uh, we create quite a cacophony uh, mm-hmm. in that small rehearsal space. But because there's that sense of unity, there's that sense of doing it together as a as a, as a single unit, but then and also to work. provide it's that joy. A, you know, oh, some yeah. people don't realize there's that it's a lot not, of work. It's not just put on a costume and get a bunch of yahoos together and get drunk and walk down the street. It's like, no, we're you're going to learn drum cadences and you're going to you're going to do a, 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 maybe twenty five percent of what these high school kids do. But you're yeah. you're going to yeah you're going to yeah. work or or and and, and you know there's. The only reward in work is when you've put yourself into it, yeah. when you've practiced, and when you've uh, given something to it. When you're marching down the street, it, yeah. it really feels good. I will say this: that well, first of all, you know you're going to work. I mean, this is Quintron, y'all. So this is not, and I think we learned 17 songs. The I think was it 17 songs of the last the the last no, time that we, we did in 2017. Play four to five songs, and then there were a bunch of cadences. And then there's cadences. three to four drum cadences, and then there's rest beats. So all added up, maybe it's nine or ten pieces, and it's oh, in God, one I big I thought, one yeah, big long cycle. Still, it's kind yeah. of the way um, high school bands do it. Right. Or, you know, I'm not really actually sure how, and I think different schools and military groups do it, do it differently. differently. <laughs> but there is uh, there's a repertoire. And I think some people cycle in and out right. um, based on cues from right. the drum major or from um, whatever leader position that they've got in their marching group. Um, and then that's your that's your repertoire right. for the Mardi Gras season. But the you know the weird thing about being a par- in a parade is that as opposed to performing a regular concert where you are performing a scroll of music in front of a stationary audience, you're the scroll. And you're playing the same thing over and over, and you're running past the audience. The audience is changing every right, five right, seconds. Right, 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 right. I've never thought about that you before. You could do it's it. Very... We used to do it with two songs. Right, really. Which is crazy. Right. And the musicians get frustrated. Right. But you got to do what you got to do. Right. 
Yeah, well, it was a, it was a, it's an amazing experience, and you're right. You know, the after the last parade that we did the last time, I think it was 2017. Um, I remember being at Siberia. I think mm-hmm. we went in, we marched with final, we we final, everything kind of ended at Siberia, and I remember just like we played our last song, and I think I just remember kind of collapsing into the chair or to whatever. It's there was the all that food. There was earth. all that food back there that yeah. Luke had prepared, or that the uh, that uh, little uh, uh, Eastern. Uh, cook, cook, I don't know how to pronounce. Yeah, I don't know it, how to but pronounce it's the it. Kitchen behind Siberia. Yeah, which is and what's then the one of the great secret yes. cheap eats in New Orleans. <laughs> And uh, that great feeling of just like we did it, you know, and yeah. so and just it's such an amazing experience. So, all right, so let's talk to us in, uh, about the uh, weather warlock. So, uh, talk to us about that, I, and that's something that I know that I've been kind of putting a little bug in your ear about uh, maybe running something like that here uh, as well. But uh, well, what, it what has is the weather warlock? Something to do with you, and I don't discuss this in other interviews. Sure. But since we're on WHIV, and I'm talking to literally the man that that saved my life. And I don't say that metaphorically. Um, I went to you as a friend when I had a, um, something visibly was going on with me and, uh, and you steered me into, okay, Quintron, this is an emergency. You need to get checked. Right. There was a medical thing happening. It was a medical thing. And, uh, and it turned out to be a serious medical thing, but that, um, derailed me into having a year at least kind of with nothing to do. And I'd had this, um, not go on tour, not go on tour, tour usually do records, you know, running around work. So I found myself with a lot of time to indulge in projects that I had thought about, but I hadn't had the time to really invest in it. And one of them was, um, a weather controlled synth. And I've been a synth builder for forever. What's a synth? A synthesizer, uh, like an electronic musical instrument. Okay. Um, so I started delving into this project that was uh, using weather sensors like wind, speed, velocity, and rainfall, and temperature. There's all these sensors you can um, build that will change voltages, and y- if you put them into the circuits in the right way, they can uh, change the sound of different notes and chords and things like that. So like a raindrop will have a It'll sound have a, like, you, do, yeah, you, do well, you say, okay, well, raindrop is a, we'll give the, I'll, I'll sign it a C note. Whereas it, as the sun rises, I'll assign it like a D or, or it's not, that's not it exactly. But, but the best way in a nutshell to say what it, what it does is that, um, uh, I designed a, a, a consonant major chord and in a major chord, there's the root, the third, the fifth, and the high octave. And each one of those notes is somehow being massaged by a different element of the weather. And what did you build it in? What, what was the major chord that you built it in? Uh, it's changed. I've built a bunch of different ones. And oh, I started out no in kidding. C. Because okay, I've cause always really liked... I'm a, well, I'm a piano player, so I re- C is kind of your like comfort zone. Right. But then I moved to E, and then I kind of landed on F because we went to the Middle East to play, to record a record with this oud player, which is a very ancient stringed instrument um, from that part of the world. And is it the thing I with was the like, big... hey, we're in E. Is that cool? She was like, no, that is not cool. <laughs> Everything is in in F, open F. And I was like, oh, well, then I like got in, like tore the synth, synth open and like got in and changed some resistors and tuned us all down it, down to F. And it's kind of stayed that way ever since. And now, uh, since, and now I'm like super in 
into the stuck F. on F. Yeah. Right. Hold on. Let me just make sure. I, I just want people to understand. So you go in there and actually, uh, you know, um, change circuits, right? Like mm-hmm. little, and then you know in your head the 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 circuitry of a board so that its output is going to give either an E or the equivalent of an open F or something along those lines? Well, you know, you're sitting at a bench with all this stuff on the table and you have it hooked up to a speaker and you kind of experiment. Got it. Okay. Sure. Sure. But it's it's like, it's, it's really no different than sitting there with a, a, an electric guitar and fixing the pickups and tuning the strings. And it's, it's a very similar kind of process, but just using anything that's cutting edge. This is technology that's been around for decades. I'm not claiming to have invented any of this like sensor technology, but, um, it's the, it's a musical process to sit there at the bench and mess with these components and, uh, kind of squeeze notes out of it and but you good together certainly were the first person to have kind of come up with a an instrument or how do you refer to the weather warlock is it an instrument or it's an instrument it's an instrument because you can play it also and i'm i don't i'm not i mean whoever made the first wind chime is the first person that made a weather controlled instrument sure i i don't i'm not i don't have any right you're care not about whether i'm the first, first at anything this, right sure. i got you if you think you're the first at something you're not you're definitely not right right right, right. um because you know record right. human history right and all that right but uh yeah uh it's a musical instrument because it's being played by the weather but it's there's also a console and there's lots of knobs and doodles and twiddles that you can mess with and you can sort of harness it and play it like you would play uh, a Moog synthesizer or a keyboard or something. Right, like and then so. I think that you were, were you just recently on tour with uh, Black? Sleep. L- with Sleep, okay. Yeah. And that's when you were, were you wearing the fuzzy? Were you wearing like a? wearing a, a fuzzy You were wearing a part <laughs> of it, yeah. <laughs> and you were solo, right? That was solo, yeah. They wanted, they're a very like, um, I don't know how to describe Slow Sleep. Core but um, or, or if you know Sleep, you know, you, you can describe them to yourselves. But it's, uh, they're, they're a, kind of a really important minimal kind of stoner metal band that changed and influenced a lot of music in that in those genres right and they wanted um because weather warlock has a bunch of different incarnations but the one the incarnation that they requested was the most pure minimal weather music that you can give us just solo because sometimes we improvise with other musicians, and right. use guitars and drums, and right. but this was just a solo, forty-five minutes a night synth improv with the weather. And you just set up a sensor outside. Set up the sensors outside, and then the brains are inside. So then I'm on stage, kind of messing with what the what that's giving me inside. Right. And so obviously every night is different. Every night's different. The uh, colder it is, the you know, the darker it sounds, and right. if it's windy or not, if it's raining or not. And these were all in F as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that one is in F. That yeah. was in F, and so, uh, and then you just kind of for forty five minutes, kind of just setting up like a, like the ambiance, or you created a, a. Every night was different. It was really purely improvised music every night, but uh, I I learned how it was kind of a learning process through the tour, like to. That's okay. That's 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 our. To introduce uh, one element at a time, and uh, I would 
speak and introduce one element at a time. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's our host for the next hour. All right. Kenny Quintron, Quintron Kenny. <laughs> um so uh and so how was that tour that was good it was it was, it was great it was nerve-wracking uh and and something i'd never done before and it was walking on a tightrope every single night but I was because having it. to set up the having to improvise oh right uh, yeah 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 you know synth drone weather music in front of thousands of people that just wanted to hear sleep sleep right so how was it res- broken up for 14 years and they're like this huge cult band they're amazing right and so and so how was the response i mean did it uh, was good it was good yeah 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 not, not uh good. i'm gonna go as far as good <laughs> all right That's about as far as i'm gonna <laughs> With two, with two O's. All right, all right, yeah. that's good. I, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Um, and then how about the book that we have here? I will. Uh, um, Quint- that's kind of. Well, it's not that old in news, but yeah, I published a book based on um, having toured through Europe over the last twenty something years. And you, when you, as anybody who's ever traveled knows, you, you don't where you're from and who you are and what your nationality and identity means only comes, it comes into its sharpest focus when you're removed from that environment. Um, and that's why traveling is, you know, they say it's good for you and it really is to, even if it's means traveling to another neighborhood or, sure. or, um, whatever that means, you know, going to a part of town that you're not comfortable in. It's, uh, it helps you to understand who you are and also how it, we're all, the ways in which we're all alike. That's super corny, but. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean. it, it, it defines who you are as a person. I mean, I, I, I've traveled my whole life and, you know, and devoted, you know, a large part of my professional career to, to traveling mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as a physician. Uh, around the world uh, doing international health. And so I I appreciate that importance because when you see other cultures and you see the way people do other things, I think you're able to appreciate who you are in your culture even stronger. Yeah, you see what's different first than what is the same. And it's a weird thing about, um, I mean, if you really look at it objectively and analyze it, uh, the discord in in any culture it's people that are the most similar that are constantly fighting with one another it's, yeah it's that's, that is a very good point and 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 nationalism and racism and those kind of things they are also a result of of not understanding something that's super foreign but oftentimes the most violent conflicts and the most extreme manifestations of persecution and racism are amongst people that are actually culturally pretty similar yeah it's it's something that is i mean certainly it's a form of self-hatred right yeah i mean look what's happening to our country right now i mean there's you know we're all uh, you know to a large degree for the most part i mean i mean as americans but we're more divided now i think than than we have ever been and it's and it's quite quite shameful unfortunately and a large part of it are due to social issues but if you're tuning in you are listening to 102.3 WHIV it's really quite an honor to have on somebody that uh, I admire greatly and somebody for whom I've always did you want to play something or did you no I, I don't, I don't okay, have got anything it. actually yeah. but, um, <laughs> it's good. but this you've is got stuff qu- yeah I've, I've got stuff here it'd be great to play something by Katie if you can p- 
pull it, it just just if you look I, up Katie Red Radio yep. Edit. Okay. And uh, and Quinchon, tell us uh, you uh, real quickly. I know that the some of the, the work that you do with Miss Pussycat as well. You guys take a, a traveling puppet show on the Ms. road. Miss Pussycat is a professional um, puppeteer, and that's part of our show wherever we go usually. Um, and I think she's going to have something for the One Eye Jack show. Right. Yeah. It's it's always a pleasure seeing the um uh it's always a pleasure seeing uh the uh the plots of all the various uh characters. Uh I know that uh in one of the plots Miss Pussycat had me go on and uh, one of her puppets had had a sexual exposure. I think that protection had not been used and I think I may have even swabbed uh, one of the puppets oh, that's right. for HIV and that's right. <laughs> And so that was that was a pleasure uh, to do that. I I have here a, a is this something that is uh, is uh, it's, but it doesn't say Katie Red. It it's a, Katie Red down here or this is Katie. Um, oh uh, oh oh uh uh punk under pressure radio edit. Okay, Let's got it. That one. Up. That one. Okay. That's so, the classic. I'm sorry, Katie. We want to pump the new stuff, but. <laughs> Um, and then the uh, do you guys take that stage on the, on the road with you guys uh, as well uh, when you guys um, when you guys go on the road? Yeah. Is that this one right here with Big Frida or with this one right here? We're uh, this is. Uh, Okay. Let's be safe. All right. All right. So this is this is a radio edit of Katie Red uh, who will be appearing. Uh, Katie Red, uh, and that was This Is Katie, and uh, Quintron, you are playing with Katie. Yep. And on Monday night, the Lundy Gras night, right? Yeah. And uh, Quintron, and please, please come out. It's a, it's like a twenty-year tradition of playing on Lundy Gras. Is it twenty years, really? Pr- probably, but that's going back to the Matador. Got it. And then what about? Um, and Halloween has been how long? Probably about that long, also. Wow. But, uh, moving around to different clubs, but. 
we're into holidays and we're into <laughs> to traditions and uh and I know that Lundy Gras for uh you know for purists it's a night that you get some sleep and you get up early cuz all the really good magic stuff happens early on Fat Tuesday so we've been trying to push our shows a little bit earlier on oh, right. Gras yeah, so cause... that it's not like we're not playing at 5 in the morning anymore we're it's more like you can get out of there by one or two. Yeah. Yeah. The some some of my some of some of the funnest nights have always been at Lundy Gras at One Eye Jacks. Again, Quintron and Miss Pussycat uh, are playing with uh Katie Red. And uh I think uh, Quintron broke some news saying that Katie's gonna be moving back to New Orleans uh sometime soon or coming up or hey, right this as we moving speak. boxes right now. Right, all right. Yeah. If you see a uh if you see a uh a U Haul uh, truck coming with big red hair uh, yeah, six foot three. <laughs> yeah, six foot three. <laughs> uh, One Eye Jacks uh, this Monday night uh, with uh, Quintron and Miss Pussycat uh, with a possible uh, with a possible uh, puppet show uh, with Katie Red and Scott Yoder and DJ Michael Bateman. Quintron, uh, where can people find you? What's the website? Um, pretty much everything is through QuintronandMissPussycat.com. There we go. That's yeah, I'm a one website man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. As as it's always a pleasure, Quintron. I I I, I think you, I love you, you and thank you for everything that you do, man. And we'll uh, be right back with uh, Kenny Francis and Resistance Radio. We're going to be uh, listening to uh, Freedom by Quintron and Miss Pussycat. 